Monogamish contains content intended for mature audiences. The views expressed here are for entertainment purposes only. Please enjoy the show. And so, okay. like, the first time I'd ever met her, we, like, went and cuddled, and we got smoothies and drove up to this, like, overlook, ate our dinner, and, like, went back and, like, laid in bed, and we read poetry. It was, like, a crazy night. It was so much huh. fun. Um, and so we hung out a few more times, and she was just like, okay, I want you to, like, meet the Poly fam. Like, it, and so I went down there a couple weeks later, and as the last one in, it was funny, because, like, they, these people, like, legitimately put me through an interview process. Oh, I okay. It. Like, it was, it, was, it was interesting. It was unexpected, um, but it was still kind of fun. I, I got there. I'd been there for, like, five minutes. Um, Prince, one of the other Poly fam members, like, invites me in to sit down at the table, and he's like, hey, man. He, like, sits across from me. I was like, yeah. Like, hey, it's nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you, too. And he's like, so what are your traumas and how are you dealing with them? Like, okay. right out the gate. Right. Yeah, it was really. <laughs> Their first 30 seconds. Yeah, right. right. It was super <laughs> intense. Welcome to Monogamish. I'm Justina. And I'm Kenji. And we're, we're Monogamish. Monogamish. Welcome to another great episode. We just yep. finished we're filming. Spoke with Nate. Nate. Yes. There you go. He had a particularly interesting story because he's a part of a seven-person polycule. Mm-hmm. I know. Mm-hmm. I like it. And it made me realize, because a lot of what we talk about is sex and sex-oriented, mm-hmm. But there's a lot of relationships within the non-monogamy lifestyle that are completely not physical, that are have no sexual, mm-hmm. you know, touching or kissing or anything of any type. That that does beg the question: Can you have a polycule with almost a sexless connection? Yeah, mm-hmm. oh, yeah almost a sexless family, you know. Right. Which is, hey, if you can, you can. Yeah, it sounded no like problem. he was too. You and know, he was, yeah, yeah. And it's not that he wasn't getting his you know, needs met. Oh, yeah, he was absolutely. getting sex in other places outside of the polycule, which yeah. mm-hmm. we'll hear him talk about. But it was really awesome to hear his story because, like I said, it really kind of hit home for us because our besties are poly mm-hmm. and we've are always considered it separate. Like our besties mm-hmm. are poly and they're in their relationship. And then there's me and Mr. Fullwood and we're, for the yeah. most part, monogamish. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly just swinger type lifestyle mm-hmm. and not having an emotional connection however we do have that with mm-hmm. our family yeah and in our family is, we call them pcg yeah pcg, pine, that's our PCG. PCG. pine cone gang yeah <laughs> and it's weird because he talks about having like a slogan and pcg is like own your shit own yeah your shit. like own your shit be who you are you know come authentic be real understand that when you're not we're gonna call your ass out yep and that's right <laughs> you know and that's kind of <laughs> how our little our little pcg fam works Mm-hmm. So it was really interesting to see that. Um, you guys will have to check it out. But yes, but what did you guys do this weekend? So it was a sock party mm-hmm. for the girls. Oh, well, mm-hmm. holidays are coming up. There was forty-four of us. Forty-four. Forty-four. Mm-hmm. Forty-four. Forty-four girls. Forty-four socks. <laughs> and so what the whole premise was is that you bought socks, not like stocking, you know, Christmas, <clears> but <throat> like socks that you could wear. Right. And they could be knee-high, thigh-high, whatever, all different kind of socks. Um, and you stuffed them with mm-hmm. little gifts, and then we did, like, a white elephant type thing. Mm-hmm. So we picked mm-hmm. numbers. We went in order. You could steal. It was a lot of fun. Oh, so, that sounds fun. So I got some furry socks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I 
didn't do anything. Me and the kids hung out. Yeah. You, you and the kids? Yeah, me and the kids hung oh, out. Oh, so I was the only one that did something yes, fun this yes. weekend. Yes, the only oh my one who gosh. did something fun this weekend. Oh, my gosh. So Trish and I um, were invited over to a play party by uh, someone in a group that I was in. Shout out to Steffi, who hosted an amazing, amazing play party. It was a pretty small get-together. There was probably about maybe less than 20 of us. And even less played, actually. Mm. Trish and I like found a couple of people to play with. And she had it at her house. And it was a really small two-story house. But the way it was laid out, laid out it was amazing. Um, almost everywhere had um, uh, wipes and uh, little chocolate kisses. <laughs> and um, she had plenty of snacks, sandwiches. So you had plenty to eat, plenty to drink. Uh, they There was a bring-your-own-toys-and-booze type thing and weed. Mm-hmm. Which is what we did. We brought joints because we really don't like to drink all that much. Absolutely. Uh, Steffi was just awesome host. I was like, let me know when another play party is happening because the, they just that small group of people were just so much fun. Oh, that's oh, awesome. Hell yeah. yeah. Right on, man. Congratulations. And hopefully we'll be having her on the show pretty soon. So Hell yes. We're <clears throat> always looking for new content. We Please. want you guys to come out and share your stories. They're all so damn unique. Yes. This one coming up you guys are going to love. So get out your popcorn mm-hmm. and your drinks and make sure that you sit down and, and listen intently because you get to learn a lot from this guy. And he's good at educating, too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Runs his own, you know, him and somebody else, his partner runs their own, uh, you know, education, education yeah. stuff or whatever, right. you know. Hell, yeah. And we're always trying to get more content out to you guys. And if you want to support us, please. Um, you can make a one-time donation on Cash App, or you can go to our Patreon. You can get a lot of exclusive behind-the-scenes content. Mm-hmm. Um, with this show, we did our first couch confessional. We did. Oh, They're doing yes. the couch confessions. Yes. Think of think of taxi cab confessions, but with or all... like penthouse forum. Or penthouse. Right. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is the couch where you yep. spill your most sexiest stories. Oh yeah. Exactly. So I think my wife spilled some stuff on that couch too. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Fullwood. Trish behave. too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's just you know where to check us out. Um go online to monogamishpodcast.com and you will be able to have a direct link to our Cash App as well as our Patreon. And don't forget there's a dash between the M and the I. Mm-hmm. Enjoy the show. Now introducing Nate. Today we have Nate. I know. We've never met him before. This I is know. our first time. Nate, welcome to the show. And you hey, reached out you to us. I did. Yes. Appreciate it. Thank you so very much. <laughs> so you have an interesting, we've noticed a, a lot lately, We a lot of our new followers are polyamorous. And so on TikTok especially, we've had a lot of new followers that are coming through mm-hmm. and, and people that subscribe to our channels and they want to have more polyamorous content. So that's your click in the box here. Oh, fantastic, yeah. <laughs> so you are part of a polycule, correct? Um, yeah, so I am a member of a seven-person polyfam. Um, we just call ourselves the Fam Bam. The Fam Bam, The wow. Fam Bam. We, uh, yeah, we usually hang out at a house in Aurora um, every couple of weeks, once a month, something like that. We try to get together. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, really, it's really special. Um, uh, there's me, obviously, um, a, the nesting couple that owns the house. Um, and then we got somebody else that moved, lives in Boulder. Um, the other two poly fam members actually just moved out to the Midwest, kind of close to Chicago. So we're a little yeah. bit spread out, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting for sure. It's a lot of fun. Um, just oh. a giant cuddly group of people. Right? Wow. I know. So, sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> Seven of you. So how did that happen? So start from the beginning. What, what made you realize that you were polyamorous? Um, 
Yeah. So for me, it was, it was a really slow, kind of slow developing process. And it, um, monogamy just never really sat right with me. Like, even when I was a kid, they talk about like, this is your one person. And like, I definitely took that narrative and internalized it, but it just never really felt right. There was always this part that was like, just one, like, Mm -hmm. like one person's got to do all the things. Like it just seemed, um, it just didn't fit. It seemed almost unreasonable to me. Um, but I spent a really long time trying to like fit that mold. Um, so I've got a string of marriages. I've been married three times. Um, yeah, once to, uh, my high school sweetheart and then, um, a girl that I worked with and then somebody that I met on Tinder of all places. Um, yeah. And so that was my most recent one. And really, um, that's where my, my second wife and I had, we flirted with the idea of non-monogamy. So there was another couple that lived next door that we played with a couple times. Um, she ended up hooking up with a guy at work for a while. And there was just a lot of things that weren't done with a lot of intention. Like it was all a lot of really unhealthy stuff. Um, and no so conversations even, beforehand. No right. Yeah. Just kind of like built in and even um, her dating uh, her coworker was really just because I was suspicious and insecure around it. So like she talked about this guy all the time. And so I basically convinced myself, I was like, well, if I tell her she can date him, then I don't have to worry about her cheating on me with him. Okay. Um, and so we only opened up like that side of the marriage. I stayed monogamous to her. Um, huh. Interesting. Yeah, through that. And so yeah. she dated. Have um, you thought about that previously? Like had you thought about, had anybody else caught your eye? Um, so when I when I teach my classes, um, I tell people that I've been ethically non-monogamous for like 10 years, but non-monogamous for my entire dating life. So, um, oh. yeah, so there was a lot of like just lying and sneaking around and cheating mm. on my part. And it just like it burns people like I really, really severely hurt a lot of people with my behavior and just my inability to show up authentically. Um and, you know, I think that's where I got that idea, you know, is like because of my own behavior, like I think I just saw things in her that reminded me of my own infidelitous. I don't know if that's a word or not, but it should be <laughs> um, my own behaviors. And so it like kind of put up all these red flags. And so, um, yeah, I was like, hey, X guy seems to like come up a lot. You seem to like really talk about him a lot. And um, would you be interested in this? We just went out to dinner one night and kind of talked about it. Um, and through the end of that marriage, um, it was one of my veto-based relationships, which is something I talk a lot about. Um, and I'm just not a huge fan of veto-based relationships. They just tend to work out with like lots of people being hurt. And so that one got kind of toward the end. Um, she was what, getting... How would you describe a veto-based relationship I for our viewers that... Yeah, me too. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, no worries. Yeah, so a, veto, a veto-based relationship is... Um, any relationship in with somebody in which somebody is not who's not in that relationship has the ability the ability to end it so like the real life example you know we're all hanging out and you and i start dating independently for whatever reason um and they're usually there to like protect the primary relationship but so before you and i start dating you guys come up with the agreement that like if i'm ever threatening to the relationship if he ever feels like i'm unhealthy for you if he thinks that it's unhealthy for your relationship he has the ability to come in and just be like, you can't see Nathan anymore. Okay. Like I am oh, wow. vetoing that relationship. <clears throat> Got it. Okay. Um, and it's really, really common, especially with a lot of people just starting out in um, non-monogamy. Like that happens a lot. Um, and I'd never heard that term. I'd never like 
done any research. I hadn't read any books. It just like was something that naturally made a lot of sense to me. Um, and so as with happens with most vetoes, I came to her and I was like, Hey, you and Je you and this guy are getting really close to close to each other. Um, we're having lots of problems. I, I'm, I need you to stop seeing him so that we can work on our stuff. Um, so that was, let's say like 2008, 2009. Oh, and wow. they are still very happy together. Um, yeah. So it's one of those, th and that's, that's a very common result of the person trying to enact a veto um, it, is that you end up with the person that got vetoed. Um, one of my more consistent uh, humans and connections right now um, is actually somebody that my former partner vetoed. And so that's a relationship I'm no, no longer a part of. And it's just something that inherently mis like brings tr mistrust into that connection. You know, like right. it's going to having that veto enacted with me is going to affect every connection that you make from now until forever. You know, and it's just this idea and it, and it can give you the idea and these thoughts that like, man, I don't know why you don't trust me. Like, I don't know yeah. why you don't trust me to handle my own business. You don't trust that I love and am committed to you. Like, you're so afraid of this other person. Um, and so if it doesn't happen eventually, it's a, at the minimum going to cause like just fear and mistrust inside of any relationship. And it's just not good stuff to deal with. So how did you initially educate yourself on these, on these different types of relationships and was it just by meeting different people? Yeah, uh, meeting different people, trial, trial by fire. It was a lot of like, um, yeah, I, I've described my, like my coming into um, polyamory as like a process of ripping myself apart and putting myself back together again, just like over and over and over again. So like oh, every wow. time I thought I had this stuff figured out, like something else would happen that would just like force me to change my entire wor worldview and approach to it. Wow. Um, oh, wow. So I we went into my, my third marriage and she and I had both had these like poor experiences with non-monogamy. Um, and so we went into this, like we are going to be 100% monogamous to each other forever. Um, she is, um, she's pansexual. And so that was like, just not sitting well with her, like mm -hmm. through like our first like year and a half of dating, we'd moved in together. Um, and like, it was just, it was really hard for her. There was just a lot of like, persons that she was finding herself like attracted to and connections that she wanted to explore and things that I like biologically or physiologically at a base level couldn't provide. Um, so we had a conversation around that. We ended up jumping into a kick group, which is like a little text-based platform. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure if right. you guys are familiar with kick. I, was about to say, I, um, I guess last week it runs one. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. And so we, we jumped into, um, we jumped into a kick group. I ended up running that one for a while. It was called wow. 303 kink. Um, my ex and I ran it together and we met um, a, a few people in there that were like just full blown polyamorous. And we, I talked to them and identified with them really well. Um, that relationship ended just mostly because it was, not that she's like a bad person in any way, shape, or form. We were just unhealthy for each other. Okay. Um, and so we, we went our separate ways and um, came out of that and like just started like reading and meeting more people. I met um, the person that I now teach Cal classes with. I met her in, an, in a Facebook group online. We started our own little group. Um, that actually happened uh, right before my most recent wife and I separated. Um, and so she and I got closer and she's had like a lot of experience. She was like really already pulled into this community. So she was able to give me a lot of verbiage for things that I didn't have and really trigger lots of like thoughts and feelings around things. Um, and ultimately landed on um, some version of relationship anarchy. 
Okay. Um, <laughs> We've heard a lot about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so one of the one of the first things that I talk about in our monogamy, um, intro to mono- non-monogamy 101 class is the terminology. This is all like super, super new stuff. Um, and so what this term means to one person, it's going to mean something completely different to someone else. Um, so for li- relationship anarchy for me just basically means that I don't prioritize people based on my sexual connection with them. Mm-hmm. So I've got some of my closest human beings are people that I will probably never have a sexual relationship with, but they're just like wildly important people. Like they play a huge role in my life. Um, My relationships tend to be really fluid, you know, just because it's a sexual connection today doesn't mean it's going to be one tomorrow. Just because it isn't right now doesn't mean that that might not happen at some point in the future or maybe even just once. Um, I've got this kind of like personal tagline that I, that I kind of apply to everything and it's show up, be authentic and handle your shit. Um, Love it. And so I just try to do that. <laughs> yeah, I just try to do that in all of those relationships. Um, I don't, I don't allow rules to be placed in my relationships. I focus on boundaries, so things that control my behavior and how people approach me. But I'm not going to tell anybody that they can't do this or can't do that or can do this and can't do that. Um, and just really want everybody to be able to be as happy as they can. You know, I think a cornerstone belief in all of that is this idea that the individual person in any connection is always more important than the actual connection itself. And that, you know, just because you said you were going to be together is never a good reason to stay in a relationship. You know, there's... Right. That doesn't mean that if it gets hard, you bail out because there's, like, conflict with everyone. Right. Um, But it gives you an opportunity to really transition relationships. Like, you can change them. We call it a la carte relationships where you can, like, take what works and, like, leave the rest. Mm -hmm. And then um, if, you, you know, if transitioning isn't, isn't working you can move on and you know that can be hard and it can be painful and it certainly sucks like none of those feelings go away but at the end of it um it just allows everybody to be their best selves you know just express themselves in the way that means the most to them how do you manage your time with google calendars and Uh. lots of communication okay so all seven of you are part of a google calendar and you guys um so there's a there is a family chat that we all hang out in Um, okay and so, like the for me personally, the RA side, um, relationship anarchy. So the RA side of that is that like polyfam isn't like my only connections, and I actually don't have, um, I'm not in a sexual relationship with anybody in the polyfam. Like I just love them all deeply and in very different ways. Okay. Um, and so there's a lot of us that are function like that in there. I think um, I think through this, three or four of us. do that same way so we have connections and relationships outside of the family um and you know there's some of those get brought in um one of my most entangled relationships is someone that like spends a lot of time around the family and we've kind of like adopted her as one of the cousins like people that like everybody in the fam (laughs) loves and she she comes around whenever we she gets an opportunity and um, yeah, we we love having her there, and she loves being there. And then I've got you know connections, and everybody knows about it. We're pretty we're pretty prominent at this point. Um, I get like it's weird. I've even had people like we'll be out at the club. I've gone to tracks before and had like total strangers run up to me, and be like, "Oh my gosh, you're Nathan. You're one of the people in the fam bam." And I'm like, "Oh, this isn't we- <laughs> this isn't weird at all, right?" Um, but yeah, so the, the the fam we get together when we can. Um, we did like Thanksgiving a Thanksgiving dinner on like a random Wednesday. Um, we're doing Christmas dinner at my new house uh, a few days for before Christmas, and 
we find the time to get together as a whole when we can, but you know, we've got, we're seven adults. It's, it's rare that we're all able to get ourselves in the same place at the same time. But what are the dynamics? Like, is it female, male, or any of them married? What are the Um, dynamics within that? None of them are married. None of them are married. Um, um, so two of them do live together. Um, the rest of us, Oh, actually, I take that. I'm not sure what um, the two that went to the Midwest, their living situation is. Um, I know they're at least very living very close together and that um, the second one followed the girl that had moved out there to be closer to her. They're like really, really heavily entangled with each other. Okay. Um, yeah, so the two of us live together. There's, And I'm assuming within the polycule, some of them do have sexual relationships. Uh, is, yeah, I'm... Yeah, I think right, and it shifts a lot, like those balances, like okay. who's, mm-hmm. like, you know, we just all kind of have that same approach, like we're going to do whatever feels authentic. Right. Um. But yeah, basically everybody else in the polyfam, for the most part, has a sexual connection with somebody else in the polyfam. Um, okay. We've never, like, everybody just kind of assumes <laughs> from the outside that, like, we get together and it's, like, full-blown orgy, orgy guys. Yeah. Like, yeah. Right. That's what's like, always the assumption. <laughs> yeah, like, like, let's jump in. Like, we're just all getting together every weekend and just, like, jumping into mm-hmm. a pile of sweaty flesh. Yeah. Um, if you're not monogamous and fucking one person, you're if you're non-monogamous in any form, you're fucking everybody. Yeah, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Yeah. Ran- <laughs> random people across the street, you're just like, hey, you. Right. It's, it's on. Exactly. Come on Back in, yeah, I got a Subaru in 10 minutes. Like. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so the the dynamics shift a lot, and I think that um, and, you know it's not that different from any other family in that regard. You know, the relationships are always going to be stronger, or weaker, or change over time. Um, it's just, you know, we all love each other. We know that we can count on each other, that we show up for each other, and okay. we have a crap ton of fun when we're hanging out together. Um, the first, yeah, <laughs> the first time, and so I'm I'm the late kind of like the latest and last addition to the Polyfam. Um, uh, Soria, who's my former roommate. Um, I introduced, or I met, I met her through Facebook, a Facebook group. She was looking for somebody to go hiking with. And it was really funny because she messaged me like an hour before I get there. Menage Facebook group. Yeah. It's Menage. Yeah. Yeah. And so sorry, sorry hits me up and like an hour before I get down there and she's like, Hey, I just want you to know I'm super saturated right now. I'm not looking for any kind of a romantic partner. I'm really just looking for somebody to go hiking with as long as you're cool with that, like we can still meet up. And that's like, I don't, I try my best to like not come at this stuff with any expectations. Cause if I go down there with the idea of like, oh man, this is super cute, cute dominatrix girl. I'm going to like have a crazy night with, like if I go with that expectation and then something else happens, I'm going to be disappointed. So right. it's like, yeah. hey, a new human, let's go it's, meet him and see what it's happens. It's our tagline. No, no sex, sex. <laughs> no sex expectations. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 sex expectations. I like that. <laughs> Instantly stealing. <laughs> uh, yeah and it was so funny so i got down there i ans- she answered the door and i'm like in all of my hiking gear and she's like hey it's nice to meet you i'm soria i've had a really long day can we just go cuddle and so okay. like the first time i'd ever met her we like went and cuddled and we got smoothies and drove up to this like overlook um down- she lived down in colorado springs at the time so we drove up to this overlook and like ate our dinner and like went back and like laid in bed and we read poetry it was like crazy night it was so much huh. fun Right. Um, and so we hung out a few more times and she was just like, okay, I want you to like meet the poly fam. Like, it, and so I went down there oh, wow. a couple of weeks later and <laughs> as the last one in, it was funny. Cause like they, these people like legitimately put me through an interview process. Okay. Like it was, it was, it was interesting. It was unexpected. Um, but it was still kind of fun. I, I got there. I'd been there for like five minutes. 
um, Prince, one of the other Polyfan members, like mm. invites me in to sit down at the table, and he's like, "Hey, man!" He like sits across from me. I was like, "Like, hey, it's nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you too." And he's like, "So, what are your traumas, and how are you dealing with them?" Like, okay, right out the gate, right? Yeah, it was really <laughs> their first thirty seconds. Yeah, right, <laughs> it was super intense. Yeah, um, another one of the Polyfan members ended up uh, camping with me a couple weeks later, just through mutual friends. We'd gotten invited to the same camping trip. And we're like sitting around a campfire, and she breaks out like a list of questions i can't remember if she had a notepad or not but it certainly felt like she did and i guess Soria had asked her she's like hey ask nathan some questions like vet him get a feel for this guy so she like breaks out her questions and it was probably like 40 minutes of sitting around the campfire wow. just like firing off all these questions and i like i really appreciated it like to me it just felt like the questions weren't disrespectful like the process wasn't like attacking or jarring in any way it just uh -huh. felt like so cool that these people like loved each other so much that they were like hey let's really get to know this person before we bring him into our home and we've got you know people have like you know kids that are involved too so there's like right. a, a lot at stake when you bring somebody into oh, that yeah. environment and so um yeah it was it was an interesting process to go through for sure but it was it was fun that's awesome nice so how do you manage communication you said you're all in a group text um, do you like, is there some sort of notification when you start a relationship outside of the polycule? Um, for me, not necessarily. And that's part of the, um, that's part of like the relationship anarchy side for me is like, I just like that level of communication is something I don't really have time for. Um, so like I'll share like, you know, really important new connections, like as they come up, but there's no like agreements around, like you have to share this, this, and this, Right. you have to share this, this, and this. Um, I do have. Um, one connection that is my most entangled one. She's like my my climbing partner. We travel together a lot. We see each other a few times a week. We both have a ridiculous love of cats, so we like <laughs> talk. Like I I babysit her cats when she's out of town, and she babysits my cats out of town. And like she's she's probably the one person, um, that's more of a romantic connection that I really just do tell all of that stuff to. Um, she's my one of my longer, actually my I think my longest standing connection at this point too, um, and so she's just got such a long view on me that it's just like she's a fantastic resource to like give the, just tell all of this stuff too, and she's like really great at being honest with me about like when she sees healthy things and unhealthy things, and um, so I do have that kind of connection with one person, um, but even then it's just something that like naturally developed. There was never this like if you want to be in a relationship with me, you have to tell me these ten things every time they happen, no matter what. Right. It was just a really really natural development for us um the sexual component of it is a um is a lot more defined communication that's around especially when you start talking about like who you're using barriers with and who you're not using barriers with and testing correct um, and that's why i asked yeah, you know so, about mm -hmm. because there's no sexual contact within the polycule then yeah, I still, it's, it's like one I, of those things where do you really need to tell them who you're having sex with mm -hmm, at that point? Right. Yeah. And so, and yeah, and I don't necessarily share that with them. You know, so right. we, we like sharing all of our stories like anything else. So like if we're hanging out, we'd be like, oh man, last weekend. Uh, <laughs> of course. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, it's, it's funny. You get to a point, I've gotten to a point now where like just to save time, um, like I get tested every so often. As soon as I get my test results, I just like throw out a group text. I'm just like, hey, everybody here they are like just so you know um but I've, right now you know the, the like who you're doing who you're using barriers with and all that stuff i i do communicate what all of that stuff looks like so just everybody has 
um, a real clear understanding of like what my sex life looks at. And I think that's a super important part of their ability to consent fully with honest information. So, you know, whatever they're comfortable with, whatever they're not comfortable with. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And because you said those relationships are fluid. So even though you're not having sex with them right now, doesn't mean that that's not a possibility in the future. So it's, it's easier in a sense that they already know they've, they've received your test results. They already know who your other partners are so that if that moment comes up, I don't want to say it's not a mood killer, but you know, it's those conversations are better had before, before (laughs) before you're heading to the bedroom. (laughs) For sure. sure. Yeah. So how do you, you, you manage your time with them pretty well. How do you manage your physical relationships? Do you have physical relationships outside of them? Um, Yeah. All of my physical yeah. relationships right now are, are outside of them. Okay, yeah. so how many other additional relationships do you have outside of your polykeel then? Oh, man, it depends on what you dis- call a relationship. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's one of the – I use the term connection um, okay. because people don't have, like, any assumptions around it. If I say I have a connection with this person, nothing gets auto-populated with, like, what their version of relationship means or partner means or, like, play partner or fuck buddy right. or whatever. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. Yeah, so, you know, the uh, I'm kind of slutty. Like, I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I think that's all of us here. We all are. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I've got, you know, um, two or three people that I see pretty consistently that I've got a sexual connection with. Okay. Um, and then, like, pe- you could consider them, like, satellite connections, like people that I see every once in a while where, like, that's a possibility. There's a place not too, not too far from here. Um, where uh, Ella's story actually kind of happened, but we've got a we've got a venue downtown. One of my friends, one of my closest connections, um, has a space down here that we use to like just host events and like those things oh, go awesome. like every couple weeks, okay. um, usually. And so there's like people that I just play with in party situations, and I'm not I I really enjoy play parties. I go to a lot of them. I don't participate in the sexual side of them all that often. Like I just love the sex positive environment, which mm-hmm. isn't to say that like you know, the mood doesn't hit in the right moment and suddenly, like, I'm just surrounded by elbows, you know? It, right. Like, mm-hmm. That certainly happens, but, um, yeah, so it, it's hard to, like, even quantify a specific number, you know, because it's just not, everything is so fluid and everything's so open that there's, like, yeah, there's not, like, there's seven or there's three. It really just depends on how you define that, like, and get into, like, what counts as sex and what doesn't count right. as sex mm-hmm. and, like, mm-hmm. okay. all of that stuff. So you teach classes, You've you've got to the point now where it sounds like you've tried all different relationship styles, figured out what's work, yeah. what works and doesn't for at least you. And so now your goal is to educate other people. Yeah, and that's um, one of the reasons that I reached out to you guys. Um, the main reason that I educate through all of that stuff is like I really like I came into this from a ridiculously starting in a very unethical place mm-hmm. and then made absolutely every possible mistake that I could think of along the way. Like if there was, <laughs> if there was a way that I could fuck something up, like that is the way that I was going to try it. Um, and so getting into the education side is really an opportunity for me to like, hopefully help other people avoid all of those same missteps that I went through. Wow. Okay. Okay. And you said you teach them with a partner, correct? Um, I do. Yeah, I do. I actually met her um, in the menage group that was uh, mentioned a little bit earlier. There was uh, a post um, and I can't, I don't even remotely remember what the post was about, but like I'd kind of gone into this group hoping there'd be like more advice and more like actual conversations. And it's, okay. the menage is great for what it is. Like I, I 
appreciate the environment for sure, but there's not a lot of like um, really defined like discussion stuff. Like there's so many people in there. There's so many voices that like finding people that um, are really in a similar place that you are and then having conversations around that. Like there's just so many people that are audience to that conversation that are going to bring in. It gets disjointed really fast. Um, and it's really hard to like stay on track or stay on topic. And so, um, she had, she had made a post, something to that effect, like, like just trying to keep this conversation on track. And I replied to, replied to her and I was like, Hey, this sounds great. I would really, I would really love a space where we could just have like very poly specific questions. Cause Minaj is like every type mm-hmm. of non-monogamy is in there and Correct. it's, which is honestly what makes it so much fun. Like, it's just like every single type is in there. And so she had popped up and we ended up like starting our own group and we just like added, um, you know, the people that we knew that were in there and she and I just got like closer and closer over the years. She's a a beautiful example of somebody that I'm incredibly close with that I'm super, like she's an incredibly important person. Um, There's like no sexual connection there. Um, Yeah. And I would be absolutely shocked if there ever was, but like we just connect on a really deep emotional level and we can share a lot with each other. Um, And so she got hooked up with Cal, which is the Colorado Center for Alternative Lifestyles. Mm. Okay. Um, she um, became their education director. She was looking for somebody that was like a co-teacher. And she was just like, oh, yeah, Nathan. Like, Nathan's the one that I would love to do this with. Um, so, That's yeah, awesome. we, we got in there and got off and running. So you have two different classes that you teach. Um, yeah, and so we're, we're a little bit um, on uh, hiatus right now. Just a lot of, like, life changes going on with a lot of different mm-hmm. people. Um, so we're trying to, like, figure that out. But the two classes that I teach are um, Introduction to Non-Monogamy, um, uh, Non-Monogamy 101, and then Codependency and Jealousy in Non-Monogamous Relationships. Okay, okay. and um, where can people take your classes when um, they are going yeah, so on? We, yeah, when they're going. And so there's also, there's two sides. There's also, uh, Cal also has a pretty prolific kink side that does a lot of, like, kink classes um, okay. like everything from public play spaces to like setting up safe scenes consent safe safety all of that stuff um so they put a lot of that stuff on meetup you can find it on facebook they advertise on fet um just look for the cal call is the abbreviation mm-hmm. for it mm-hmm. okay awesome so tell us a little bit just give us an overview of what your monogamy 101 class would kind of look like mm-hmm. or non-monogamy yeah so the non-monogamy 101 is base level base level stuff. We talk a lot about terms, about potential different relationship structures, about different resources that you can go to. Um, we have a, a good section of the class is dedicated to like way, uh, ways that you can sort of slowly integrate yourself into that. A lot of people come into non-monogamy from a place of like a, a already established primary relationship and they're looking for ways to explore whether that's like just being open, if they're swingers, if they're looking for like just play party environments to like full on poly, like people will struggle through that. And there's like a lot of hard feelings and a lot of programming that's built in there. Um, and so we, we have the analogy of running a race, um, like getting ready for the race, like practicing for the race, getting the right equipment for the race, practicing for the race. And then you take off before that. And so we just build an analogy around that. Um, that's a, that's a large portion of the class. Um, and then we okay. always try and leave time for um, questions at the end just for people to kind of fire back and forth with this, with whatever problems or stuff they're facing. Okay. So do have people come into that class that you've found that after they finish the class, they're like, oh, this isn't for me? 
Um, you know, I don't, I don't know. We do ask for student feedback. Um, mm -hmm. We have like a little feedback form you can go back and fill out. Um, so I don't know if that's ever happened. There's certainly a lot of people that are like, that come in um, without like a clear understanding of even why they're there. Like they're just curious human beings that found out about this and they're like, oh, I just want to go learn about non-monogamy stuff for a couple hours. Huh. Um, so, you know, it's not that they're even necessarily pursuing that path. They just want to broaden their horizons and get information about it. Okay. Um, so that's really common. We'll have people coming in that are, like, actively struggling with something specific. And so they will they tend to, like, hang out toward the, you know, and the, we have the classes are usually fantastic. Like, people are active and participating and really, you know, doing a great job of listening. But you can tell every once in a while there's somebody that's just there to like get to the question segment. Like they have got like three things they're trying to figure out and they want to just like drop those and try and get some advice and some direction on them. So okay. those, pe those are the people that really need more of the therapy side of things or maybe like a one-on-one -on -one type. Right. Yeah. And we, and counseling. we, um, we, and we both have kind of a, a list of therapists that we both, that we know that, um, depending on their availability, specialize in some form of non-monogamy. So, like, we're, we're really careful when we do those classes not to step in that bounds. Like, hey, right. you should probably talk to a professional about this. Right. This is the direction that you can go. Or, like, hey, this is a great book about, um, about attachment, like Polysecure, an amazing book. Everyone should read that book. Um, what like, is the hey, book? Polysecure. Uh, poly Polysecure. Who is it, who is it by? Um, I, think it's, uh, I think her name is Jessica Fern. Um, if I remember correctly. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, it's uh, a fantastic book. That one um, looks at attachment styles, which is a pretty, pretty established psychological theory, and applies it to non-monogamous relationships. Mm. And it's okay. it, yeah, it's fantastic. She does an amazing job with it. Um, but yeah, so we we direct people to like different books and different resources that we've read. We can recommend like, this is a really great question. We don't have a lot of time today, but we answer all of that in the um, codependency and jealousy class. Like come back for that one when we have and you it. said that one's your favorite class yeah right. that one is my favorite class because that that's the one where um as somebody who is very frequently wildly codependent and jealous like that class is one where i get to like really share my mistakes and i think that it just adds a whole whole other level to that when you're like bringing your life experience and like how you resolve these things and like what resources were really helpful to you and like what tools that you have in your tool belt to manage this stuff and continue to move forward and um yeah, wow. so I, I really, really appreciate that class. And, man, I, I sell myself out in it a lot. So, it's <laughs> <laughs> so this is like your passion because this isn't your full-time job by any means. This is no, yeah, this, this is just is, something that you really have a heart for. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, it's just, a, um, it's just all about, like, at the end of the day, it's just all about community and love. And I mm -hmm. think that, generally speaking, there's not many parts of the universe that just don't need more of both of those things. And it's a, it's a way Agreed. that I've connected with all of it. And it's a way that I can kind of share it and share pieces of myself with people. I get to meet amazing human beings. Right? Yeah, you end up on, like, podcasts and yeah. classes. Like, this is a version I never thought I'd see myself in. Like, I really just wanted to figure this out so that it, didn't, it just didn't suck and hurt so often. And then, you know, now I'm, like, reaching out to podcasters. Like, please let me be on your podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> love it. We love it. Here's, love my, it, here's my pedigree. Like, yeah. And it's, you know, it's a very unique situation. The fact that, A, you also make the point that there doesn't always have to be sex involved. Yeah. We have mm -hmm. a lot of really close connections that we've made that, I wouldn't trade for the world where there's no sex involved whatsoever. Right. And so you really have the ability to build your own family. And right. I love that. Um, I love that you're here to share that with us. So tell us about your Netflix show. What's this about? Oh, yeah. So um, the 
Soria makes all of this stuff happen. Like, okay. if she says it's terrifying, honestly, like she has this weird ability to manifest stuff. And so, like, we have to be careful when she says stuff out loud because it usually happens. <laughs> um, and so she talked about for a while, like, man, it would be really cool if we could get the fan bam on TV. Um, <laughs> and away we went. Um, so the the show that we ended up being on, so there uh, somebody saw, I don't even know exactly how this came into existence, but um, somebody saw a post online about a production company looking for um, non-monogamous relationships, couples, whatever, to be on this show. And so like Soria reached out and just like gave them a little blurb about who we are and how we operate. And so the show's called, um, at least the, the operating name of the show is called Sacred Spaces. Um, okay. And it's like, a home renovation show, but for sex rooms. Whoa. Oh, unique. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So did they actually come in and do a sex room in one they, of the homes? They did. Yeah. Les and Catherine, or, um, yeah, the, at the couple that we spend most of our time at, at their house, they built a room in their basement for the poly fam. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, wow. So this, this is the couple that lives together, I'm yep. assuming, in yep. your poly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah, so when is so, that coming out? Um, sometime in the first quarter is the last time we've heard first quarter 2022. Um, and it's so on we, Netflix. Yep, it'll be on Netflix. So we did, um, the majority of the filming we, well, we did a lot, it was in the middle of like heavy pandemic stuff. So the initial interviews were all like Skype and zoom calls. Um, so we did those with like the first round of producers and then there's like a second round of producers and there's like a third round of producers and they like make this, make the decision after that. Um, and so they started filming um late spring i think we had um i mean total there were like nine or ten full film days i think i was there for five or six of them oh wow um yeah and so it's like it's a really cool show it's like lots of like lots of interviews so they really get to know the people the purpose of the show it's a um a woman that was uh an elderly british lady i wish i could remember her name right now she's so much fun (laughs) this woman is so much fun um but she was like standard home designer like 30 years ago or 20 20 years ago and she got a request from a client to like make a sex room and then that became her career and so oh, she, wow. she has done this like all over LA and Hollywood and um, she works with like kink like kink.com and a lot of these like really heavy hitting ones so like the the actual room design which I can't talk a lot about because the show isn't out yet mm-hmm. um, is is just absolutely incredible it's it's an amazing space but they like interviewed all of us and asked us like what would be in your perfect room like um, so oh. my so my answer was like cuddle puddle like cuddling is my favorite thing on earth like I want right. I want a space that is just designed for large amounts of people to pile in and snuggle um, you'll have to watch the show if you want to see if I got that or not but, um, <laughs> yeah and so there's other people that you, it, the poly fam is so diverse and like our our likes um, especially um, like our kinks and stuff and so one of the per- people's like first request was like a floor that you can hose off like that one made me laugh out loud on the show so they were like <laughs> Like, yeah, we just need to be able to spray everything down when we're done. Like, and so... Um, that would make it a lot easier. Right? <laughs> right. Exactly. So, oh, that's a really saying, specific thing, right? too. God, genius idea. Yep, so we went through and um, did all of our filming stuff. And, um, yeah, there's a, there's a few other Colorado couples that are involved. There's um, a wide variety of different spaces that they did. I'm not sure how much I can talk about, like, all the different spaces. And I don't know a lot because they kept us pretty insulated from that. But I, I think it's going to be a pretty cool show. The whole idea um, and purpose of the show is really just, like, normalizing different sexual tastes and, like, bringing the stuff to the forefront and just being like, hey, guys, this is 
all on the spectrum of normal. Like there's there's nothing wrong with any of this. Thank so. you. It's the oh, same I thing we're it. doing. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so we talked to them a lot about their vision for the show and what they were trying to put forward because we have that. Um, you know, part of our fear around that is a show about sex spaces was that we'd be projected as like this like seven person nonstop orgy and that they would just like always want to hit on like the sexy details. And that's as a family, really just not remotely what we're about. Right. Um, and yeah, we just talked to them about their vision. All of that stuff lined up really well. You know, they did a lot of a lot of filming and working questions around like our dynamics with each other and how we interact with each other and um, yeah, how we all came to be and they filmed a backyard barbecue and just hung out with us for a couple of days and oh, all kinds awesome. of stuff. So it was a fun, it was a fun experience. It was, it was wild. Like the whole makeup chair and like, <laughs> like people like putting microphone cables all up in your clothes and like rules on what you can and can't wear because of like this specific lists of patterns will make our cameras freak out and like all yep. kinds of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's awesome. So sacred spaces, sacred spaces. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll have to check that out on Netflix Absolutely. next year. <laughs> Absolutely. So what advice would you give to somebody that's that's looking at at this type of lifestyle or that's interested in relationship anarchy? Um to try it out. I guess the end of, at the end of the day like a lot of this is is trial by fire. I think the the best advice that I can have is first and foremost you've got to like you've got to like love yourself. Like if you um especially from a perspective of like relationship anarchy like there's definitely moments where it can feel like lonely mm -hmm. um and those are the spaces that you really need to be able to spill that to fill that emptiness with just like a love for who you are um that was one thing that really helped me come into this is i spent um before really coming to my own in relationship anarchy like there was a point in my life where like um like drug use like constantly lying infidelity like all of those things that i had done like really hiding from the world and who i was like put me in this place where like i was like for the first time in my life truly alone mm. um and a lot of the like dishonesty and stuff that i had been doing the people that i had been hurting like a lot of the ways that i was doing that looking back on it was just me trying to find a way to protect myself because at the end of the day when i was alone like i did not like the dude that i was like i just didn't like myself very much and the more time I had to spend by myself, the worse off I was. Um, wow. And so, yeah, I finally, like, through my own actions, got put in a position where, like, that was it. You know, I was mm -hmm. I was super alone. And um, not long after, not long after that, um, and, you know, I'd done a lot of work up to that point. But, like, there was definitely some, some lingering issues that were still causing issues for me. Um, and so, like, the kind of darkest run of that is like the beginning of full blown COVID lockdown, you know? And mm -hmm. so you're sitting, you're sitting in the, in the middle of a lot of that stuff. And like, for the first time I just had to face myself. Um, and it gave me an opportunity to, for the first time in a long time, really just connect with the things that I really love. And then like, go do those things like mountain biking and, um, you know, rock climbing and snowboarding and reading. Uh, my left sleeve is all my favorite book covers. My right sleeve is Colorado mountain stuff. So, oh, wow. Okay. That's um, awesome. Yeah, and so, like, really reconnecting with that and, like, working myself to this point where, like, now, like, I look at my schedule and, like, I'm actively, like, okay, I'm going to need to block three days off on this week because I need to hang out with myself for a little bit. Like, I need to get back to get back to my core, like, get back to doing these things that I really love. Um, and, you know, through that, um, I've gained this amazing ability to stop, like, fighting for these 
relationships that just weren't healthy for me just because I'm like fighting for this relationship because if I don't have this relationship I might be alone so no matter how toxic or dangerous this is to my mental health or my well-being I'm going to do whatever it takes to keep that person around to like yeah you know what this just doesn't work for me like this just isn't healthy for me and like just kind of like kind of let it go (laughs) and um yeah it's it's been an amazing journey you know I'm in a place now where I'm just surrounded by like all of these amazing humans that I know (laughs) I know I'm a daily choice for them and they're a daily choice for me and like um I looked for security and connection so long for people like promising me that they'd always be there and now that I have absolutely no one in my life that has made that promise to me I have so much more security that there's a good chance that so many of them are going to be around just because we're walking very similar paths that's right um, and if I do whatever, lose them, like, yeah, it's going to suck and it's going to be hard. But I'm also at a place where I know that if that ever happens, it's because the end result of that was one of us becoming happier or having an opportunity to be happy. Um, and I believe that if you really, really love someone, like you want them to be happy. And if that means not being in your life, then you got to let them go. You have Persian. to, yeah, yep. you just have to have to let them slide out. Yeah. You have to make sure that you love that person enough that they no matter what they do, they know that what you want for them is to be happy. And even if that means that you're not with them. Right. Exactly. You live alone. Um, sort of. Uh, So I live, I, um, you have cats. I know that. I I do have cats. And since you mentioned them now, I get to talk about my cats. So, uh, um, so, um, I've got Siamese uh, kittens now they're like 25 weeks old or something oh, like oh that. wow um their names are choss and sketch uh their brother and sister they're those are both climbing terms so a chossy route is one that's like covered in ross and or moss and loose gravel and rocks and is like just dangerous and unclimbable okay um so that's chossy and it fits her personality perfectly <laughs> um and then sketch is um it's like a, an old extreme sports term just like and that was super sketch. Like it was just dangerous or a bad idea, but you did it anyway. Um, so I've got Chossy and Sketchy. Um, and so they definitely live with me. Um, they're my, they're, they're my little crag kitties. So, um, one of my more consistent, uh, connections and I, she's my climbing partner, the one that's been around the, my most consistent partner. Um, we take them out climbing with us. So we get them in like little harnesses and they like roll down the trail with us. And, oh, like, that's go on hilarious. Us. Oh yeah. my gosh. <laughs> you take your cat climbing. I love yeah, it. Both of them. Yeah. <laughs> They've got their own Instagram. It's just Choss Sketch. You can search it up. C-H-O-S-S-S-K-E-T-C-H. Yeah. So hilarious. that's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. And so um, I just bought a place. Actually, my climbing partner is also a real estate agent. She was my realtor. She's the one that found it and sold it to me. So that was really, really cool that I got to use somebody in my non-monogamy circles right? right. Um, to, to like help me go through that whole process. And so um, I live there, but I have um, two roommates. Uh, they okay. just, yeah, they just, so I'm renting out. It's three bedroom. The upstairs has a, a dual bathroom and then two rooms up there. So I'm um, renting to, renting those out to they're they're freaking awesome they both work um down at meow wolf like oh uh, that's awesome yeah so they're they're very like creative fun energetic individuals so like they've they've only been there for a few weeks now but it's it's been a lot it's been a lot of fun they're really cool roommates and then they have a um one of the roommates she has a dog um strawberry which i don't know dog breeds but it's like the cutest fluffiest little dog animal i've ever seen like (laughs) yeah so 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 i live with strawberry yeah Chaucin sketch and then my two roommates so do people know about your lifestyle like you're at work or your family you're Um, a few people a few people at work know when I'm when I'm at work um 
usually just talk about work stuff. I also right. spend a really good portion of my day by myself. Like I don't have like coworkers. Um, I work for um, a utility. So I like basically running operations. So I'm like mm -hmm. running around and like checking stations and all this other stuff. It's a lot of like alone time. If I'm not alone, I'm in a meeting for a very specific purpose and it's a pretty skeleton crew. Um, so it's nothing that I like actively hide there. Um, but it doesn't come up a lot. One of my former coworkers and I were really, really close. So he obviously knew um, before he moved uh, back to the East Coast. Um, so it's nothing that I hide there. Um, obviously, with like the Netflix show coming up and just like how prominent the Polyfam is, like it's something that just isn't isn't hidden. Um, I talked to my my sister and I. I love I love her to death. She we're really really close. I appreciate her a lot. Um, so she hears about all of the stuff. She's always been just incredibly loving and supportive. Um, and you know, I, I'm lucky with my, my family too. Like I, I was raised in an environment that's, you know, very like traditionally Christian. Um, I've got that background. I was a youth director at a church for a while. So I've got like a lot of that history. Um, and so I know that my, the rest of my family doesn't necessarily agree with it, but we also just don't talk about it a lot and they love me no matter what. So that part's, that part's great. Do you think but. they're easier on you? Cause you're a male. Like, do you think if you were, you know, your sister going through mm. this, that, they'd have a much harder time with her having multiple relationships? Um, you know, honestly, it'd be family member specific, but like my, my nuclear family, probably not. My parents are just like, so like, I've been, one of the things I've been told consistently since I was a little kid is like, there is literally nothing that you can do to make us stop loving you. Like there is no action you will ever be able to take that will like remove our love from your life. Um, and they say it wholeheartedly and they've definitely yeah. proved that and backed it up again and again and again. I think if anything, probably like the divorced three times is probably harder for the family <laughs> right. <to> stomach than, <laughs> yeah, oh, than, yeah, than non-monogamous. But yeah, when I told, when I came out to my parents and I told, um, I told them about it, um, my mom just kind of said, she was like, oh, so you've decided to be single and date for a while. And I was like, if that's the way that this makes sense inside of your head, I totally understand. That's a lot to process. So right, like, yeah, right. that's great. <laughs> she just simplified it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, let's, let's go with that. But it is a lot, it's a lot more socially acceptable for men than it is for women. And that's why I asked that question is because I feel like automatically women, you know, if, just us saying that we're a slut on a public mm -hmm. forum is shunned versus, you know, men, it's like, hey, hell yeah, you're a slut. Let me give you, you know, congratulations. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and true. so I just was curious if, you know, within your background, if your parents would have had a, you think they would have had a different problem with your sister? Yeah. Um, I'd, you know, I'd be surprised. My, my sister is like, a very monogamous person so we're probably okay. not going to have an opportunity to <laughs> and an your parents were to too um as far as i know yeah. yeah yeah okay okay well we can't thank you enough for coming on here sharing your sharing your life with us yeah of course so it's much really <laughs> it's really interesting to hear your your whole take on relationships and how you navigate that and so we really appreciate you sharing that with not only us with all those issues out there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate the opportunity to come and talk about it for sure. Absolutely. So check out one more time the Coalition for... Um, Colorado Center for Alternative Lifestyles. Sorry, Colorado Center for Art Alternative Lifestyles. And then uh, Sacred Spaces. Sacred Spaces. On, right. on Netflix. Netflix. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. First quarter of 2022, correct? Yeah, yeah. Unless yeah, right. something changes. That's when, we're, that's when we've been told. So we're excited for it. Perfect. 
Well, Ishes, you know where to check us out. Go online to monogamishpodcast.com. Make sure you join our Ish Tank so that you guys get notifications on all of our events and upcoming shows. Right. And make sure that you turn in next week for another great episode for Season 3. We'll see you later.